Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well-being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Hello there and welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. This is your host, Jessica Tai. I'm so happy to be here again with you this week and um, have uh, some great listener questions we're going to go over today in the podcast. But before we get started, I hope that you guys enjoyed last week's podcast and getting to know the girls at Oh Hello Keto Bakery. Uh, If you are in their area, I hope that you've reached out and tried some of their stuff. It is amazing, and I'm not just saying that. It truly is. (laughs) So um, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to that. I think it's um, it's just awesome what these girls are doing, and I just love to support um, other moms especially, of course. Um, us girls and us moms got to stick together, but I also just love to support um, others in this keto community and, and all the work that everyone is doing and just the immense health benefits that so many people are seeing from trying this uh, way of eating and this way of living. So, and um, so today's episode, I want to talk about some, a couple of listener questions. And I think the reason I chose these two is I believe that they go along really, really well with, um, as like a follow-up to last week's episode. So we, you know, I was interviewing um, Erica and Jenny from Oh Hello Keto Bakery out there in Utah, and we were talking about, obviously, baked goods and, and sweets and treats on the keto diet and um, among many other things, but uh, we were definitely talking about that, and I you know I think most people know kind of my stance on that, and I feel like, you know, if that is what you want to partake in as part of your keto lifestyle, then go for it. Um, I certainly do. And there's no shame in that whatsoever. And I think that, um, you know, to each his own. I know there are some people that are like, no way, I'm not going to partake in any more sweets. That's the whole point of keto. While I do not believe that's the whole point of keto, um, I do understand where people are coming from when they, you know, when they take that stance. They, um, you know, obviously being fat adapted really does help to curb those cravings and kind of um, push that stuff to the back. And you really don't crave sweets as much as you used to, at least I don't. And I find that most of my clients um, feel the same way. You kind of get to the point where you could take it or leave it. However, um, I do believe that for me anyway, having some sweets here and there is uh, just super pleasurable. And it's one of the pleasures I enjoy in life. And, um, you know, I, I really enjoy food in general and having a sweet treat on occasion is something that I really enjoy doing. If, um, you know, and I don't have a problem at this point in my keto journey, um, or just my, my lifestyle in general, um, I don't have a problem with indulging in a few bites of 
something that is made with real sugar or whatever. Um, I don't have a problem with that. But for many people, for many different reasons, maybe health reasons or um, you know different health conditions you could have or for mental reasons or um, you know whatever it is that you know emotional reasons whatever it is that drives you to make the decision to either indulge in those types of things or not um, you know it's good to know that there are alternatives to sugar out there that you can indulge in that will um, not give you a glycemic response will not um, you know, raise your blood glucose um, to these unbelievable uh, levels that then are going to trigger insulin and you've got this whole cascade and, um, you know, and there's just so many reasons. It's also good when you start, um, which is what we talked about a lot on last week's episode with Oh Hello Keto Bakery, is um, when you start keto, a lot of people have a really um, hard time just even imagining that they could walk away from all the sweets, the candies, the cookies, the cakes, you know, all the things that um, at least here in America, we are just inundated with day in and day out. They're, you know, at every checkout aisle and every grocery store, um, you know, we're, we're, we have whole holidays that just celebrate candy. So, um, you know, it's definitely something that for a lot of people, myself included, now I did like power myself through it when I started, but um, for many people, myself included, that's really hard to just turn your back on and walk away from and pretend like you don't have a sweet tooth and you are never going to miss it. So our first question is um, surrounding this, surrounding keto and um, what are keto approved sweeteners and what does that look like and can you have these things uh, when you're keto and all these types of things. And it comes from a, a listener and kind of out of her confusion from what she sees out there in this space because there are a lot of people talking about keto and um, many people, uh, you know, kind of are um, keto experts, let's say, uh, is kind of how they're known or labeled, and um, and don't really have, um, you know, they're just they're kind of just uh, self-taught, maybe researching things on the internet and coming to conclusions. And um, you know, while I do applaud people for trying to get the message out there and. Um, you know, attempting to help people. I think sometimes uh, with the best of intentions, we can still lead people astray and give them information that isn't entirely accurate. And um, that can be kind of hard because then people are trying to wade through all of this and they're not really sure um, what is the right information and what they should be doing. So Let's get to Sarah's question, and then um, I will answer this for you um, about the sweeteners and keto and kind of all that type of thing. So um, her, she had sent me an email, and her email reads, Hi, Jessica. I'm reaching out in hopes that you can clear up some confusion for me. I follow a bunch of different experts in the keto space, including you, and I am always watching, listening, and reading to try to get more info on how to do keto better and right. It can be frustrating sometimes because there are so many differing viewpoints. One of those is 
One of those is when it comes to sweeteners. Should you use them? When, why, and what kinds? Everyone says something different, exclamation point. Last week, I was watching a video from, I'm not going to say the person's name, on her, uh, this is a Facebook keto page. I'm not going to say the name of that either. And she was talking about the sugar substitutes that are okay on keto and talking about glycemic index. And then she has in parentheses, I had to look that one up. Um, I have heard you say different stuff than what she did, though, and I wanted to reach out. I know that you have an education in nutrition, so I figured you may have the right answers and wanted to know what those were. <laughs> Um, so I guess what I'm asking is, number one, what sweeteners can I use and still be keto? And number two, why? <laughs> thank you so much for reading this and all that you do, Sarah. P.S. I love your podcast. All right. So thank you for sending that question in, Sarah. I think that um, you definitely are not the only one that is questioning this and probably, you know, is, has thought about this question, has this question um, and I actually believe um, that I saw the same video that you're referring to uh, from this individual that she had um, mentioned that I will not point out. But um, they, I had seen this video actually because a friend of mine was like, oh, you've got to watch this, this person. She's so, she has all these videos, she does these videos all the time on keto and I've been following her and, um, and you know, on and on and on about all this stuff. So um, I had actually just by chance had happened to click on, I believe it's the same video that Sarah is writing in about. Um, and she was indeed talking about uh, sweeteners. And there were several things in that video that kind of made me like, oh, you know, cringe inside because I was like, oh no, like, People are a lot of people watching this video and listening to this, and um, that information is uh, not accurate, <laughs> um, not scientifically, not physiologically, not um, it's just not not accurate. So, um, so I'm actually I think it's it's kind of ironic that I would get a question on this actually, and uh, when it came in, I was like, oh my goodness, this is really funny. So um, I'm really glad you gave me an opportunity to talk about this, Sarah. So. Um, first of all, um, so there are a few things that she specifically talks about in that video. And since mo many of you probably have not seen it and don't even know what we're talking about, um, I'm just going to go over a few of the points um, to help clear up some confusion for Sarah specifically since she did see this video and has probably got some questions. Like number one, she said um, glycemic index. Uh, she didn't, she says she had to look that one up. So um, glycemic index, uh, I'm not going to get into, uh, you know, the whole uh, definition behind this, but basically it just is your gl blood glucose levels. Um, you know, the glucose levels in your blood. It's what, it's what levels a specific food elicits, what glucose levels are elicited in your blood through a certain food. So um, when that happens, whenever we eat anything that raises our blood glucose levels, um, we have insulin that is, that is released by our pancreas and our insulin then, um, you know, has to usher that blood glucose where it needs to go um, to be used for energy or stored for later so that um, it can pull our blood sugar, uh, uh, the blood sugar levels back down to where they should be um, so we don't die essentially or create um, massive damage to our organs. 
So that is what insulin does. Um, one of the things that can be an issue with insulin, and uh, there's many issues, and insulin is not a, a villain necessarily. I mean, it has a very um, sp specific job in our bodies, and uh, we need insulin. And it is, um, you know, it's it's a regulatory hormone. It's a um, sometimes called a storage hormone, um, but it is very good at. Um, taking energy and putting it where it needs to go um, for us. We need insulin. But when in, in the context of keto, where we can get into trouble with insulin is a lot of times um, if we, well, number one, if we have insulin, if insulin is present, then you are not going to be uh, losing weight. Um, insulin is a fat storage hormone. Um, you are not going to be losing weight and, and, um, burning that energy as long as insulin is present. So, uh, so one of the things that we talk about a lot in this community and that we work on is keeping insulin levels, uh, minimal, like not having a lot of insulin secretion throughout the day. Um, you know, intermittent fasting is super effective for that at, Keeping, you know, if you have a smaller eating window during the day, then uh, obviously you're not eliciting an insulin response uh, constantly. So your body is able to work on fat burning instead of storing. And so that's important when it comes to insulin. But um, there's also what's called an insulin index. So the glycemic index is referring to, again, what, what, um, what levels of glucose a specific food will um, have in your in your bloodstream? But the insulin index is refers to the, the how, how a food triggers an insulin response. So these are two different things. Um, you can actually have things that are low on the glycemic index and high on the insulin index. Um, and one and the, the perfect example of these types of foods or substances would be artificial sweeteners. Um, there are artificial sweeteners that do not raise your blood glucose levels, but they, um, they, you know, they're, you're not getting, they, they have a very low glycemic index or a glycemic response, but they absolutely have an, have an insulin index or an insulin response. So, um, so that can be an issue for a multitude of reasons. Um, but for just today, we're just going to focus on the sweeteners and, and that type of thing. So one of the sweeteners that was talked, that, that was talked about, and then I definitely want to make sure that, um, that I mentioned that I think everybody should absolutely stay away from is called maltodextrin. So, um, maltodextrin is derived from starches like corn or rice, potato, or wheat. It's most commonly derived from corn, um, and the context that you're going to see it on packaged foods. So maltodextrin is used in a lot of packaged foods and um, in, including keto foods. And so a lot of people don't know what that is or why, um, you know, why that would be on a label. So uh, if you are partaking in any type of processed keto foods or sweets or whatever, I would highly recommend that you stay away from maltodextrin. Um, Another one that you will see often listed in keto products and non-keto products, diet foods, so to speak, things that claim to be uh, no sugar, all that type of thing, is sucralose. Um, now, this 
particular video that I saw anyway, if it's the same one that Sarah is referring to, um, this particular person said that sucralose is fine because sucralose has a glycemic index of zero and therefore does not raise your blood sugar and is perfectly fine to use. Um, I totally disagree with that. Uh, sucralose is also known as Splenda. Um, it most commonly sold as Splenda, but sucralose is used in a lot of packaged foods uh, where they want to keep the carb count low, but sucralose um, has actually been linked to having a, an insulin index um, to, you know, to actually um, raising uh, an insulin response when you eat it. Um, there's other reasons that you should avoid sucralose. Probably most notably is that it is uh, completely lab created. So there's nothing natural about this. Um, it is uh, created in a lab and, and is just our bodies don't need it, don't know what to do, to do with it. There's no nutritional value. Um, they also, in most, uh, like in Splenda, I believe, they actually use dectrose to um, bulk the sucralose. So um, not good, not a good thing that you want to be putting into your body. Another one is aspartame or aspartame. Um, it looks like aspartame. <laughs> um, aspartame, it is linked, um, uh, it is actually um, equal in NutraSweet is what that is. So, um, and, and aspartame is actually not linked to an insulin response like sucralose is linked to an insulin response. Um, aspartame is not linked to it. However, it is still a chemical and has been linked to many, 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 uh, detrimental health. Um, what am I trying to say? Um, just, uh, Poor health outcomes and all kinds of different disruptions like to your microbiome, things like that. Um, you can find aspartame in a lot of quote-unquote diet foods and diet sodas, things like that. Um, saccharin is another one that is commonly found and that is also, that's like the sweet and low packets. Um, that has been linked also to um, to an insulin response. Um ACE K, that is the um, ACE, ACE, ACE potassium, something that I, I am uh, blanking on on which on what that is. Again, um, with ACE K, now there's been some uh, there's been some debate on this. There are studies that show that in rats it does um, have an insulin effect with rats, but there are no human studies, at least not that I'm aware of, that show that. So just err on the side of, of caution. I would not partake in anything with ACE-K. Again, it's a chemical. Um, just I just don't know. I, there's just not any need to do it. Um, and really when it comes to all of these chemical sweeteners, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Dr. Sarah Gottfried, um, Sarah Gottfried, MD. She is, uh, has some really, really incredible, great information out there. And right now I am totally blanking on the name of her book, <laughs> which, um, oh, I'm so embarrassed that I just cannot even think of the name of her book. I feel like I should look it up right now so I can tell you guys. But um, so Sarah, um, I, 
had heard her, she had she was on the Sean Stevenson show, which is the model health show. I don't know if um, anybody listens to that, but she was on there. And um, it's a great show, by the way. If you don't listen to it, you should. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, on that show, she had they were talking about sweeteners and um, those types of things. And, um, you know, what um, – what they could do to your body and kind of how she felt about the artificial sweeteners and whatnot. And, um, her, she had a quote, which I'm going to quote here. She said, diet soda may be even worse for you than regular soda in terms of what it does to your microbiome and metabolism. It can break your metabolism End quote. So, um, you know, just, Take it from Sarah if you don't believe me. <laughs> um, I would say take it from Sarah uh, that it is bad news. You do not want to be messing with these different um, artificial sweeteners, these chemicals, these chemical sweeteners. There is nothing good that they can do for you. And just staying away from them is going to be the best thing you can do. Um, oh, it's the hormone reset diet. And uh, she wrote the hormone reset diet and the hormone cure. Um, I have not read all of the hormone reset diet, but the hormone cure I have and, um, really, really awesome information in, in those books and would highly recommend that you check those out. Okay. So, on to, okay, so if you, so if I do believe that you can partake in keto treats and, uh, you know, these other sweets with other sweeteners, well then if I'm saying no artificial sweeteners, then what sweeteners and am I talking about that you, you know, that, that you would be able to use? So for me, and I'm, uh, I know Sarah very graciously or very kindly pointed out that I am, um, you know, I, I am educated in nutrition and, um, but I don't think that that means that I have all the answers. <laughs> like I definitely understand how these things can work in your body and, um, most certainly understand the negative and detrimental effects of sugar and carbohydrates and having, um, excessive amounts of those, um, and how that can damage our bodies. But I don't know that I am an expert um, per se in sweeteners, but for myself, uh, just my opinion and from the research I've done and my N equals one experiments and working with clients, the sweeteners that I would recommend, that I do recommend to clients and to people that are um, on the keto lifestyle or just trying to avoid, you don't have to be keto if you're just trying to be low carb and trying to avoid sugar and processed um, sweeteners and whatnot, then I definitely recommend um, the two that I would, or well, there's three, I guess, really, that I would recommend, and that is stevia. So stevia has been shown to not elicit any type of an insulin response. Um, stevia is a is made from a plant from the stevia leaf, and um, though and and because that is a natural um, uh, substance and uh, and whatnot, I believe that our bodies. Um, really don't have a problem with it because it's, um, you know, it's something that we're able to recognize uh, nutritionally. So uh, don't have a problem with 
stevia. Um, erythritol, that is actually a sugar alcohol. And um, I also do not have a problem with erythritol at all. Um, erythritol also does not elicit an insulin response. So um, I think that is great. Now, if you eat uh, erythritol in large quantities, sometimes people, myself included in this, can have some type of um, digestive uh, response. And for me, it's bloating and uh, bloating in the way of like, I actually get water retention from it and uh, definitely feel bloated and just don't feel comfortable in my gut. It just doesn't feel good. Um, but that's generally only if I kind of overdo it. So, um, and I have done that. <laughs> so, um, you know, maybe where I've had like a, uh, a, a keto brownie and then, uh, or maybe I've had keto, uh, kind of like cornbread or, or biscuit or something sweetened with erythritol, uh, with dinner. And then I turn around and have a keto brownie afterwards or something like that, then that is a little bit too much for me. Like I, I can't have that much. Um, now if I just partake in like one cookie sweetened with erythritol or one brownie or, you know, whatever, then I'm fine. Um, but so just kind of be careful there and watch that. So another one that we get questions about or that I get questions about, I could, I should say is, um, uh, other sugar alcohols like molotol and uh, xylitol. So I don't have a problem with xylitol necessarily. Um, it tends to give more people a uh, digestive upset. So I just really don't use that and don't recommend it. I don't really think there's any need to use it because uh, of erythritol and erythritol works really well. And um, and for most people does not have nearly the issue that xylitol does. So, um, so that's kind of my main beef with that. Now, molotol is a completely different animal. Um, that actually, there are studies on molotol that it does raise your blood glucose, which if it raises your blood glucose, it is going to elicit an insulin response. Um, uh, from that. So I do stay away from malatol. Now, um, if you are looking at probably any, uh, chocolate that you would find in like the sugar-free or maybe any sugar-free candy, I'm not really sure, but I know specifically like chocolates and I'm thinking Russell Stover's here. Um, if you are like looking at the sugar-free chocolates and thinking, Oh, I want this sugar-free, uh, chocolate caramel that Russell Stover's has. That sounds so amazing. And look at this. There's no sugars. Carb count is super low. They actually use Molotol in those. And um, people have very severe um, digestive reactions to Molotol. Um, lots of people do. <laughs> I would say more people than not, 99% of people that indulge in that. So I would definitely steer clear of that stuff. Not to mention the fact that, like I said, there are numerous studies that show that it actually does uh, raise your blood glucose and, um, in which case then insulin, uh, re, you know, has an insulin response. So probably not, um, good way to do that. So, um, back to erythritol. So erythritol is made by fermenting corn. Um, so you, you know, if you're going to be having much erythritol, you probably are going to want to make sure that you're looking for a non GMO, uh, and or organic erythritol. Um, 
important that you're staying away from the GMO corn for many, many, many different reasons. But the one that I'm going to mention today is just you, you don't want to be um, messing with those chemicals, the glyphosate specifically that is in that corn. So um, erythritol is uh, the one, the sweetener that I use most commonly that has erythritol is the Swerve brand. And uh, Swerve is an erythritol sweetener and it has, um, it is labeled as non-GMO and that is certified. So they are making this from non-GMO corn. So um, definitely recommend the Swerve brand of stuff. Another um, one that I like, but I don't, I'm not sure. I'm actually looking at the, um, I'm actually looking at the package here. And it doesn't say anything about it, but um, is the Circin, and that is spelled, um, or Suckerin, that is S-U-K-R-I-N, um, is how you spell that. That's the brand name. And that is, oh, it does say on here, actually. I just saw this. That is made from I, I ingredients that were not genetically engineered. So um, this product is actually made in Denmark. So they have different um you know, different guidelines and, and whatnot. So, um, but this is erythritol and then it has a little bit of stevia in it as well. So I also really like the sweetener. And like I said, I just um, saw on here that it actually does say that it is not made with genetically modified ingredients. So that is great. That's great news. Um, that's what you want. So um, when we go back to the stevia, where I was talking about stevia, I like the Steviva um, brands. And I have, um, they're out of Portland, Oregon, and I have had the founder, um, on my podcast before and, um, talked to him, which, oh, Tom King. I was like, why am I blanking on Tom's name? Um, Tom King, he is the author of Guy Gone Keto. I don't know what episode that was, but um, he's really, they are really, really, really focused on quality there and on making sure that they are coming out with top quality products. And, um, you know, like I said, they are made right here in the United States. And, um, the, this, this Daviva blend is, I like that one a lot. They have a, they have several different, um, different sweeteners in their lineup, but I like this Daviva blend and that is just erythritol and stevia. And the reason I like a blend like that too, from time to time is, you know, a lot of people, um, notice like a more, um, cooling effect from the the erythritol or they'll have like an after a stronger aftertaste with the stevia so um it's you know personal preference everybody's got a little bit different taste and um and way that they react to different sweeteners and whatnot so um I like that it's a blend because it kind of takes the edge off of both of them a little bit and um, blending them is I think a good way to do it. So you might want to try that. And then another one that I really like is uh, to use as a sweetener is monk fruit. So um, monk fruit is, of course, um, again, it is a, it is a, it's a food, a real food. So it's a, a fruit uh, that they harvest this from. And um, it actually has a lot of 
benefits to it, but there it is no glycemic, um, you know, it's non-glycemic, non-caloric, and they do, as far as I am aware, it does not elicit an insulin response, which is really what we're focusing on here. So, um, you can get many different versions of this. I would just look for a version that does not have sugar because sometimes they will blend the monk fruit with sugar and um, and that's kind of tricky. <laughs> so watch for that. Make sure it's not blended with that. Um, I use one that actually is erythritol and then monk fruit extract. And um, uh, I like that one. This one is um, from Health Garden. And it is just their classic all-natural monk fruit sweetener. So, um, again, look for one that you can get them that are 100% monk fruit. You can get them that are blended with stevia or blended with erythritol. And um, that will help you. Um, Lacanto is a brand that I like a lot. Um, and it is a combo. And they make a syrup. Um, that my kids like. And so that one is really good. So that's one that I kind of try to focus on as well. Okay, so I hope that that helped like at least give you a background about the sweeteners. Um, you know, I maybe you've heard me on here say this before. I don't really believe that there are certain foods that are keto or not keto. Um, I think there's just foods and, you know, you have to figure out whether or not they fit into your keto lifestyle and what you are trying to accomplish. But in general, for me, I am trying to focus on nutrient dense, um, you know, foods that are really going to fuel my body. And I don't want to be eating things that are, are putting things in my body that are going to go against that. So I do try to avoid things that uh, may not be the best for me. And like most of these um, sweeteners that we talked about, um, these artificial sweeteners, um, certainly the ones that are chemicals that are created in labs, I'm not interested in eating. Um, I don't want them. I don't want the microbiome destroying properties that they have. I don't want, um, you know, the, the insulin responses that they're going to have, even though they're promising me that they're low carb and, and sugar free and all this stuff. Um, it's not always just about, um, you know, is it low carb or sugar free? You have to think about why do you want low carb or sugar free? Um, you know, what is it that you're trying to get away from by eating those, by eating that way? And, um, and does, do these things line up with that? And for me, no, they don't. So, um, when I'm indulging in keto treats, I like to stick to the, um, to the stevia and erythritol, um, and occasionally monk fruit. And some of the um, sweets that I really enjoy, well, the really the most, the one that I, if I cook my own stuff, but um, the brand that I really, really love is Good D's. Um, it's not cheap, but if you're looking for, they have sugar cookies and chocolate chip cookies and brownies and blondies and um, pancake mixes and uh, cornbread. It's actually called corn-free bread, but I'm telling you it's about the best cornbread I've ever had in my life and uh, not even made with corn, and it's amazing. But um, but she has a whole lineup of, of um, mixes that you can mix um, these desserts up to keep it, you know, real simple and easy. And uh, I always have some of those in my pantry. So, you know, when we're looking for something quick and 
um, you know, we're having a movie night or something and everybody wants to have a brownie or something fun, I'll whip that up real quick. Um, but she sweetens, uh, you know, she uses erythritol in her package mixes and um, it's awesome. So I, I love using her stuff. All right. So I hope that that um, answers all those questions, all the, the questions that you had, Sarah, and maybe I hope I didn't make it more confusing. I hope that cleared it up a little bit. Um, so hopefully that helps. Okay. So the next question I actually did not print off because I forgot. <laughs> so I apologize about that, but, um, it was, um, I had someone that had written in asking about what are the, she hears so much about the healthy fats, healthy fats, you got to eat healthy fats, high fats on keto and was trying to figure out what exactly are the healthy fats and what should she be sticking to? So yes, um, if you're keto, then you probably are trying to have um, high fat. That is uh, essentially the definition, right? High fat, low carb, moderate protein. Um, so there are so many reasons that fat, and this is hard for many of us to wrap our heads around, that fat is good for you, that it can be good for you, that we actually need fats. And we need fats for so many different things. We need a variety of animal and vegetable sourced fats um, for many different reasons, which I'm going to get into a couple of them here. But um, we, we really need a fairly high percentage of fats uh, in our diet. To, to, for optimal health, they, our fats, uh, our body uses those to build hormones, to build healthy cells. Um, they serve as a protective lining for our organs. We need fats for absorption of the vitamins A, D, E, and K. They help keep us full longer. I mean, there's all these amazing reasons why we need fats, but it is essential that we are getting the right fats. Um, we are partaking in all the wrong fats. It could be really, really bad. Um, so fatty acids are super important for our brain health and gut health. Um, actually, our brains are approximately 60% fat. And we have learned recent here in, you know, recent studies and recent years that fatty acids are among the most crucial molecules that determine our brain's in integrity and ability to perform. Um, super, super important to have the right fats. All of our cell membranes are built from fats and proteins. Um, but it's the breakdown of those membranes that are the beginning of pretty much every disease process in our body. So, and how do we get those breakdowns. Well, we get it from not having enough fat. So we have incomplete cell membranes. We've got proteins trying to make them up. We don't have enough fats or we have the wrong fats, which those are all those vegetable oils and highly processed oils, which we're going to talk about. So um, really, really important to make sure that we're getting the right fats. So what are the right fats? Well, the right fats are we need saturated fats from grass-fed organic animals. And I get it. Not everybody listening feels like they can afford to buy grass-fed organic animals or grass-fed organic fats. But I would urge you that if there is absolutely any way whatsoever, if you can cut, uh, you know, shave off some expenses in other areas, 
to be able to put it into this area. It is so super important that you actually are getting the fat from organic grass-fed animals because the fat from conventionally raised livestock or um, CAFOs, the, CF, the CFAOs, concentrated feeding animal operations, is a very different makeup than what you get from the grass-fed organic animals. And I'll talk to you uh, about that in just a second. But some of those would be duck fat, butter, ghee, lard, and tallow. And we also can get saturated plant fats, which most of us are familiar with, like coconut oil, um, there's organic palm oil, and then there's polyunsaturated fats. So um, those are our omega-3s, omega-6s. So we have the ALA, DHA, EPA, and then the linoleic acid, um, and omega-9s. Those are the mono, monounsaturated or the oleic acids. The unhealthy fats that we do not want, we need to stay away from at all costs, are vegetable oils, soybean oil, corn oil, margarine, canola oil, Crisco, that's the vegetable lard, um, anything labeled trans fat, partially hydrogenated or hydrogenated, these are completely toxic and they interfere with critical roles that fatty acids play in our bodies. So we do not want these fats in our bodies. Um, pretty much you go eat at any restaurant, I'd say 95%. I don't have an accurate percentage, but my guess would be about 95% of the oils that they use are going to be those oils. They're using canola oils, vegetable oils, um, soybean oils. Why? Because they're cheap. Um, they're cheap. They're junk. Um, they can reuse them over and over and over again, which is a whole nother issue in itself. Um, so we really want to stay away from those. So let me just talk to you for just one second, and this is not to shame you or make you feel bad or for me to, to try to be elitist um, talking to you about the CAFO animals versus the organic or pasture-raised animals, but I just want to help educate you so that maybe you can understand why it's important and then you can decide for yourself if there's ways that you might be able to get more of the organic grass-fed animals into your diet. So first, I just have to say that, that if you are not familiar with how conventionally raised livestock are treated and how they're slaughtered, then you need to make yourself familiar with it. Um, I mean, it is cruelty to the highest extreme. Um, the way they live, the way they're fed, um, and how they're slaughtered. So uh, it is no wonder to me that uh, veganism is such a huge movement, um, if for no other reason than you just do not want to be part of that system. Um, it's just totally cruel. I mean, you do not have to be an animal lover to see what is done to those animals and just realize it's, it's wrong. Um, <clears throat> factory farm animal diet is also, there are things that these animals would never consume in the wild or grazing. Um, they, I mean, never. Uh, most people don't understand that cows are not supposed to eat grain. I mean, they would never eat grain. They, they eat grass. That's what their body is designed to eat. That's all they would eat in the wild. Um, but yet they are fed things like corn to fatten them up. Um, that's why they're fed corn. It's cheap. It's a subsidized uh, crop here in the United States. So it's very cheap to feed the cows that. Um, but unfortunately, because they are not made to eat that, they get very sick. 
in trying to eat that. So um, they can only be kept alive so long on that diet, um, maybe mercifully for the cows. Um, but during the time that they are alive, they are pumped full of antibiotics and um, different hormones and whatever they need to give them to keep them alive long enough to make it to slaughter. Um, that is just, it's awful. It's awful. And then we are eating that meat and where are all the toxins stored in our bodies and in these animals' bodies? It's stored in the fat. So when we're talking about fat, it's super important that we are not eating the fat or as little of it as possible that are coming from these very sick animals. Um, and then these animals also leave very, very stressful lives. Um, this creates a lot of stress-related problems that we see in the quality of, of their meat, which includes a lower concentration of the much-needed omega-3 fatty acids. And in this country, we are very deficient in omega-3s. We, um, It is assumed that we really are intended to have like a one-to-one -one ratio of omega-6 to omega-3. And we have more uh, somewhere in the range of a 10 to 30 to 1 ratio, depending on where you live and what your diet consists of. Um, that is not good. Um, I'm not going to get into all the problems that that causes in this episode, but um, when our omega-6 outweighs our omega-3s that much, it's, um, it, is, it spells disaster for us and for our health. So on the contrary, the grass-fed and pastured animals, um, number one, just going back to the uh, first point about the way the animals are treated, it is um, a far much, you know, better life for these animals. They are um, treated humanely and most of them very kindly. Farmers do not raise these animals because they don't like them. Um, I mean, they are, that is not an easy job to be an organic farmer or a farmer that is raising your animals the way they're supposed to be raised. There is not a whole ton of money to be made in that. So um, these animals are treated well and most of the slaughter practices of these animals are far superior to what the CAFO animals are seeing. Um, also, when these animals are eating their natural diet, they are not chronically sick, and so they are not, they don't need constant antibiotics. They also produce fatty acids and vitamins and minerals in their bodies that they were intended to produce, and we need those fatty acids, those vitamins, and those minerals. So they actually produce up to three times the amount of CLA, which is conjugated linoleic acid, for example. So, um, and we need that. CLA is super important for us. It has been shown in studies actually to reduce your risk of cancer, specifically breast cancer in women, up to 60%. That's huge. It also reduces your risk of heart disease. Um, and these animals have many antioxidants that can also help attribute to these uh, findings, like antioxidants like vitamin E. Um, they're also much higher in the heart-healthy omega-3 fats. So there, we're kind of swinging that pendulum a little bit um, to try and help balance our omega-3s. Um, and it, just for fun, I want to give you this stat. There was an ex there was a study conducted by Consumer Reports who tested more than 300 packages of ground beef, and they found the antibiotic-resistant bacteria, MRSA, M-R-S-A, MRSA, um, in three of the grain-fed samples out of 300 packages and zero of the grass-fed samples. And why you care about that or why that's important, each year in the United States, 
staph infections, MRSA, infect more than 90,000 people and more than 20,000 people died just this past year. Many of them were children because children are very susceptible to MRSA or to staph infections, children and elderly. So, um, and these are the types of meats that this is what your fast food restaurants are buying. You know, they're not going after the pasture raised animals. They're getting these conventionally raised, these CAFO animals. And so that is definitely a risk of having those um, fats and, and eating, you know, eating those fats and those animals. Okay, so let's talk real briefly about what, you know, you may be listening to this like, okay, I don't even know what omega-3s are. I don't even know what omega-6s are. Where am I even supposed to get these? Well, these are essential fatty acids. And the reason they're called essential is because our bodies cannot make them. So we have to ingest them. We need to eat them. So omega-3 fatty acids are found in foods like fish and flax seeds. So um, these are the ones that people hear about all the time, ALA, the DHA, EPA. Um, those are, and those are acronyms for a very long um, words that I, well, the alpha linolytic acid is ALA, but the other ones, the EPA and the DHA, I'm not even going to attempt to um to be able to <laughs> pronounce those for you. But the EPA and the DHA are um, are great. You know, we need those a lot. Well, the ALA are found mostly in plant oils like flaxseed, but we also find those a lot in soybean and canola oils. But remember, you do not want to be um, partaking in the soybean and canola oils. The DHA and EPA is what we find in fish and other seafoods. So um, that's a great way to consume those and or to consume those things and be able to get them. So um, so some of the foods that we so again fish and seafoods, especially cold water fatty fish. So things like salmon, mackerel, tuna, the sardines are an excellent source. And then um, we can also get omega-3s from nuts and seeds, like flaxseed, chia seeds, walnuts, and then again, plant oils, but we need to be we need to be very cautious of many of those plant oils because they are highly processed. Um, and then of course there are fortified foods where you they have added these um, omega-3s into. Then we have omega-6s. <clears throat> so omega-6s, like I talked about before, we have a we are an excess. Most people have an excess of these omega-6 oils, um, or fatty acids, I should say. So um, we got to watch out for having an excess of that. And why it's important is omega-6s are correlated with um, inflammation, and omega-3s are the non-inflammatory. And it's important to have the 6s too. We need both. Um, inflammation is not necessarily a bad thing, and we need the ability to inflame, um, but we need to be able to have more of a balance, and that's where we kind of get into these um, problems, especially when we get into these high consumptions of these PUFAs or polyunsaturated fatty acids, these omega-6s that are um, oxidized and, you know, and these like vegetable oils and stuff like that. That has been um, shown to increase the likelihood of uh, breast cancer and prostate cancer and um, all of these things that nobody wants. Um, you know, we don't want it. We don't want these things. So um, we can get dietary sources of um, of these omega sixes. Would be like palm oils and um, sunflower oils. 
which again, you need to be very careful of those types of things. But we can also get omega-6s through from poultry, from eggs, again, nuts and seeds, um, things like that. So um, okay, so hopefully that kind of helps you understand the um, idea behind omega-6s and omega-3s and fats and what's important and what we need. Um, but now I would like to tell you um, kind of one more uh, step further in these fats and what fats are good for us and why is um, not only do we need to know which fats are good for us and, and which ones are quote unquote the good fats that we should be partaking in, but we also need to know um, how to use those fats because if we're misusing those fats, we can actually cause ourselves more issues. Um, you can take a good fat and make it a bad fat by by heating it too high or, or cooking with it wrong. So, so uh, let me give you a little bit of information about cooking stability for oils. So you have high heat cooking fats. Now these are fats that um, you would want to use for sautéing and and um, and those types of things, things that you would that you would be, you know, for 425 degrees and higher, um, you're going to want to use these fats. So grass-fed ghee. So ghee is just a clarified butter, which means that the milk protein has been removed from it. So a lot of people with a dairy intolerance can still eat ghee, and it has that really rich buttery flavor. <clears throat> so grass-fed ghee, you can cook with that up to 485 degrees um, before before causing any kind of breakdown or what they call the smoke point. The smoke point is 485 degrees. Um, coconut oil, now a refined coconut oil, this is the one that does not have a taste um, or a smell to it. The extra virgin coconut oil is the one that has the coconut taste. And uh, so if you prefer a tasteless coconut oil, then you're going to want to go with the expeller press refined version. Um, this is still good for you, but keep in mind that it is more processed. Um, but that coconut oil, you can cook up to 450 degrees. Again, the refined coconut oil. The unrefined coconut oil is going to be a much lower smoke point, which I'll talk about here in a minute. Okay, and then grass-fed uh, beef fat or lard, uh, or it's called tallow, you can cook up to 425 degrees with that. Bacon fat, reserves, lard, so in other words, pork fat, um, that's 425 degrees. Avocado oil, you can cook up to 570 degrees. Now, I love to saute things in avocado oil or um, or ghee or bacon fat. And most of the time I saute my veggies in bacon fat or avocado oil. I also cook my eggs in avocado oil or bacon fat. That just seems to be kind of what I lean on the most. Um, macadamia nut oil up to 425 degrees and then palm oil up to 450 degrees. So then we move to like the medium cooking fats. So they have kind of a medium smoke point. That is your olive oil, non-extra virgin. So extra virgin olive oil should never be cooked with at all. You can use it on salads and, and meats and stuff, but never to be cooked with. So the non-extra virgin coconut oil, um, again, this is more processed, but you can cook up to 325 degrees with that. Um, Grass-fed butter, up to 325 degrees. Duck fat, up to 375 degrees. Cocoa butter, up to 375. And coconut oil, the virgin coconut oil, up to 350 degrees. So... 
Again, please avoid all vegetable oils. They are highly chemically processed. They're extremely unstable. Um, they cause all kinds of havoc to break, lo break loose when they are introduced into our bodies. Um, inflammation is at the root of nearly every health crisis, including diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, cancer. I mean, we could list these. We could go on and on, um, but they are super inflammatory and not in a good sense. Um, just bad. They're cheap. Um, I mean, these were introduced in the early 1900s because of the um, producible fats were at, a, we were just at a shortage for fats at that time. And so they were trying to come up with ways um, to come up with these fats that we could um, reproduce easily and cheaply and would have a, a would be shelf stable. And we came up with all these um, terrible, crazy chemical concoctions. So uh, just try to stay away from them. Um, they're, in addition, they're almost always made from GMO plants. So that's uh, not good. Um, so anyway, just um, I guess that's pretty much all I want to say about fats. Um, well, let me give you a rundown of the ones to avoid just in case you're curious, like, oh, is that a, is that a vegetable oil? So canola oil, you do not want that. That's actually um, made from what's called a rapeseed plant. Um, these are highly unstable oils. They add deodorizers and plastics and chemical coloring to these things to even make them palatable. Um, corn oil, again, that is not a vegetable. That's a grain. Um, pretty much every crop in the United States is genetically modified, so just avoid it. Soybean oil, again, not a vegetable, it's a legume, um, is a known endocrine disruptor. Uh, pretty much, again, nearly every crop is genetically modified, so just stay away from anything with soy for the most part. Vegetable oil, pretty much 85% of vegetable oils are actually just soybean oil. Um, and then about 95% of soybeans, again, are GMO, so just stay away from that. Peanut oil, again, a legume. These are highly processed. They undergo oxidation. You don't want that. Safflower oil, this is a seed oil, highly processed, um, has been shown in numerous studies to increase kidney disease, stroke, and heart disease. Sunflower oil, very high in omega-6 and almost every prepackaged or processed food on the store shelves has this in it. Um, they also use this to fry foods at pretty much every fast food restaurant, so watch out for that. Cottonseed oil, again, this is a seed oil. Notice that none of these are actually vegetable oils, but they call them vegetable oil. Do you think that's a coincidence or is that a play on words so that we would all go, oh, it's vegetable oil, it's it's healthy. Um, so cottonseed oil, again, um, that's actually a byproduct of cotton. Uh, they didn't know what to do with the byproducts, so hey, let's cook with it. Um, Grapeseed oil, highly processed, um, is oxidized. It is void of vitamin E, which is essential at reducing free radical production, production when oxidation occurs. So while grapeseed oil is probably not the worst oil out there, it is very high in omega-6 and um, just avoid it. Shortening, um, I have a quote that says, what was garbage in 1860 was fertilizer in 1870, cattle feed in 1880, and table food uh, and many things else in 1890. Um, they're talking about shortening. <laughs> um, margarine, um, see above, pretty much the same deal. Uh, margarine was actually invented in 1869 by a French chemist. Um, he was looking to make a cheaper, less perishable form of butter for the troops. 
So originally margarine was actually made from beef tallow and appeared to be a fairly good alternative, but over time, cottonseed and soybean oils replaced the animal fats because why? They're cheaper. Um, until by World War I, margarine was almost exclusively made from those oils. At that time, people worried about the health effects of margarine, and it was actually not even allowed to be sold in many states. But Fast forward to the 1930s and 40s during the Great Depression and World War II because, again, the shortage of butter and the cheaper price, margarine's popularity rose and the help of some very um, good marketing. Uh, it really took off in the latter half of the 20th century and pretty much people began shunning traditional fats for these vegetable oils and vegetable fats. So, um, man, we have just been going down the road of health crisis ever since. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of a, of a education on fats and like which ones are okay, which ones you want to avoid, how to cook with them, and why. And um, I think that's about all I have for today. So I hope that this was an educational uh, podcast for you and uh, not just for keto, but uh, for anyone just looking to be a little bit healthier and build some healthier cells and healthier bodies out there. And I do want to mention that I am going to have a, um, I'm going to do a big giveaway. I have got a box full of awesome keto treats and um, products and some really awesome things that you guys are not going to want to miss out on. Um, I will post about this um, in my social media feeds at some point here shortly, but over the next week or two, I am going to do a contest um, with all of the five-star reviews that are on my iTunes account. I'm going to go back and pull out all of those five-star reviews, and I will pick one winner that has left a wonderful review. I appreciate you guys so much for listening, and I am um, happy when someone takes the time to leave a, a great review and let me know that they like what I'm doing. I appreciate that so much. So in appreciation of that, I am going to choose a winner, and I am going to announce that winner, and if that is you, then you will be winning an awesome bunch of keto loot. So if you have never left a review and you would like a chance to win this um, keto loot, and it is going to be valued um, well over $100 worth of keto um, stuff that you guys are going to love, um, then please go to iTunes, leave me a review, um, a five-star review, and if you have left a review in the past, a five-star review in the past, um, I don't want to exclude you guys, so I'm going to go back uh, to the beginning. So if you have left one in the past, please send me a message. Um, you can send it to me uh, through my email would be the best way, and that is jessica at jessicatai.com. So if you want to send me an email, let me know what your screen name is um, that you left the five-star review under, and uh, let me know that, and then I will reach out to you and uh, let you know if you are the winner. That'll be the easiest way for me to get a hold of you. So again, if you've ever left a five-star review, please send me an email. Let me know. If you go on and leave a five-star review now, then also send me an email and let me know. I will take all of those emails, um, everybody's name. Just make sure that you send me your the screen name that you used when you left the email so I know which um, name goes with, with what. So when I choose the winner, 
based on the review, I'll know who that goes to. So um, reach out, send me that information, and then I will put you guys um, on a list. And like I said, when I choose the winner, then I'll know who it's going to go to. And then I'll reach out to you and get your mailing address and get that out to you. Um, so you have a couple of weeks to get those in, and I'll make another announcement when I'm going to pull the winner for that drawing. All right, guys, well, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, and thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in with me this week. I love to connect with you guys. Make sure you're following me on social media. I'm at that keto blonde on Instagram, and Facebook is facebook.com forward slash Jessica Ty Nutrition. If you have interest in coaching with me, please also reach out to me. You can send me an email and I'm happy to send you information on my coaching packages. Um, you guys have had, I've had a really great response to my recently added, uh, keto coaching, <clears throat> excuse me, um, to my coaching lineup. So that's very exciting. I love to see that you guys are interested in that. So if you um, have interest in coaching, I do long distance coaching. I also can do um, coaching in person. So we can meet at, uh, at a, you know, a, a neutral place if there's somewhere else you would like to meet or you are welcome to come to my office. Um, I have lots of options in regards to how uh, deep you want to get into the coaching uh, nutritionally or if you want to um, just have somebody to kind of keep you accountable, or if you're just looking to get into keto, stay in keto, and kind of learn how to do it the, the best way that I know how, then I'm happy to help you with that too. And like I said, that program has um, really taken off and been quite um, popular. So I'm glad that I added that to the lineup for you guys. All right. So if you have any more questions, uh, reach, reach out with an email or look me up on social media. Have a great week, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we shared with you today and are looking forward to the next episode. 